2: Hi, welcome to season two of the Let's K-12 Better podcast. This podcast is a project between mom while capes and her kids. Hi! Hi. In our podcast, we will cover a variety of subjects involving K-12 education and family life. We will talk about the ways that parents, kids, and educators can improve K-12 education and family life. We encourage you to join our conversation on social media using the hashtag Let's K-12 Better. Let's jump into Season 2, Episode 10 of the Let's K-12 Better Podcast. When you think about your school librarian, you might envision a person that loves books. I mean, they sit in a room full of books all day, right? Wrong. The school librarian is not only a book wizard, but an a valuable resource in an ever-evolving world of information in books and online.
1: Libraries are so much more than a storage room for books. In fact, according to the 2020 report from the American Library Association, Libraries exist to provide equitable access to resources and information, provide the necessary tools to equip young people and adults with the digital literacy skills to navigate a post-truth world, facilitate discussions about our values and what we should and should not censor, and engage learners in non-traditional communal learning experiences while also supporting wellness and creating safe spaces. And libraries facilitate parent engagement and parent learning opportunities in the school according to the 2019 gallup poll quoted in the report visiting the library is the most common communal activity americans engage in by far but that was pre-pandemic how has the role of the librarian evolved during a time when visiting public spaces comes with health risks How have school librarians worked to support online and hybrid learning during COVID-19? We sat down with Dr. Corey Hall, curriculum developer, librarian, former middle school teacher, and 2019 American Library Association Emerging Leader. She brings 24 years of experience in education as both a librarian and an educator, and a strong background in education technology and information literacy. We hope that this interview answers some of these questions for you. We are so delighted to have Corey Hall join us on the podcast today. Corey is a curriculum developer, a librarian, and former middle school teacher. Corey, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Oh, thank you so much for having
0: me. I'm so excited to be here.
1: Yes, you're amazing. <laughs> um, you. I just want to brag about you a bit. You have like 24 years of experience in education, mm. both as a librarian and an educator, right? So I think yes. that gives you a unique perspective
0: that we're excited to bring on the podcast today. Thank you. Yes. I love K-12. I love education. I love kids. So yeah, let's talk. All right. Awesome. So
1: let's talk a bit about librarians, Mm -hmm. right? Um, You know, librarians have a great uh, purpose in schools. Um, They are the holders in many ways of all the information, right? Um, So let's talk a little bit about like how you see the role of
0: the librarian in in the school first. So I, I wanna start out by saying uh, school librarians are probably the unsung heroes in schools. Um, I was a librarian for the last eight years uh, in a middle school and uh, when COVID hit, the, my district decided to eliminate the school librarian positions. And unfortunately, I think that was a, a really big mistake for them. Um, we were a bridge that I don't even know that they realized was, was, was there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So school librarians, we are kind of the safe space in the school because our entire goal, our entire essence is everybody is welcome and we're going to find a place for you. So in my library, you know, the GSA was was part of our library. Um, I worked very hard to find books that reflected, our kids and and I was in a very, very rural, very conservative district. So, you know, finding LGBTQ positive Mm -hmm. books and putting them in there for the kids and just um, a safe space for those kids who just couldn't handle anxiety and Mm -hmm. and depression. I You know, we had safe spaces for them. It, It just is a, you know, it's not just about the books. The books are huge and I, you know, I'll talk books with you for hours, but I think libraries actually are more about relationships and safety for kids.
1: I actually just love what you said, Um, just seeing how you see the space itself as a place that is welcoming and warm and loving for all kinds of readers and learners. So I just wanna say that I appreciate that. Um, I also like in my own mind, when I think of librarians, I think of them as like honeybees, (laughs) right? Like they're like collecting the information and then then they're cross pollinating and then they're connecting, right? Um, So like, you know, in my, like you guys have a high honor
0: in my heart. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually an excellent uh, analogy. I love that because one of the cool things I got to do was uh, co-teach with the teachers across the subject. So I wasn't in the library all that much. I was actually out in the classrooms more often. So I would get, I would bring technology into a math classroom and we would do like virtual field trips, or I had spheros and I'd take them and teach them how to code or, you know, just lots of like back and forth. And, you know, there was, there a lot of book talks and that kind of thing, but honestly, it was more about what you just said, like just connecting, just Mm -hmm. connecting the pieces. So I, I loved that. I missed that so much. So more on connecting, right? And
1: more on building bridges. I think, you know, a lot of parents have misconceptions about what the library or the media center, mm-hmm. right, um, is all about. And I think it's just really beautiful how you've, we've, we've both worked together to put it into um, context, right? Mm-hmm. So let's talk about how librarians serve as a bridge between home and school.
0: Absolutely. So there's a couple of different ways that that can happen. I don't know that it always happens, but this is how it can happen. Great librarians will do things like hold events where parents can come into the school library and they'll do things like teaching them how to access their, you know, their kids' online records, or your, the, the catalogs, or even how to access like OverDrive and Libby and uh, Sora technology nights where they come in and they practice coding or they practice, um, you know, just, just doing the same things that, that, that the kids are doing, 3D printing, that sort of thing. But then also it's like sharing information through a really good online portal. So a website that provides, you know, I tried to put internet safety information for my parents, um, you know, book recommendations, but also we have to play a role in educating parents mm. about the fact that censorship was a big issue in my district because it was a conservative district. So there was a piece that I had to very gently play in, you know, your beliefs may not be your child's beliefs and Mm. your child may need something different than what you're expecting them to read. So anyway, that's, that's how I would do it. It's just providing opportunities for parents to be there virtually right now, unfortunately, but in person is the best and lots and lots of information back and forth, sharing out what it, you know, sharing out information.
1: I think like being an advocate for kids, right? Even like letting their parents know, like, I think that that was really great. Like saying like your your beliefs may be a little yes. bit different from your child's beliefs. You know, I think as parents, we are working through understanding that we've essentially created an autonomous being right with their own ideas and opinions it's hard
0: but yes that's true it's so hard <laughs> <laughs> the struggle is so real <laughs> so hard when they're not what we like what we are it's it's but i will say um, something that was really difficult for me to watch and and i was so honored to be a part of we had several uh, students who were really struggling with identity and and both with sexual orientation, we had a few that were were dealing with gender identity issues and you know what here's an example i had an eighth grader whose parent threatened to ki- to kick them out of their house mm. if their daughter publicly came out as being gay and it was one of those things where i just had to you know very quietly be a support for her and provide her those resources and you know we would talk books and we would talk life and just that like i said just that, that safety yeah safety so and I not that I want to go against the parents but you know when you look at when you look at self-harm and suicide rates for for you know kids who are questioning it's so high and I just cannot be that I just cannot not provide that support and information
1: yeah lots of empathy um happening and social emotional learning I just want to throw I want to you know bring that to the fore right now um I also just want to encourage parents who like have kids who are experiencing anything with their identity to to listen so uh, as you hear from a licensed professional
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's so important it's so important yeah
1: um so we're gonna move into like you know covid19 remote Mm -hmm. learning Mm -hmm. like it happened it's still happening yes right um so let's talk about like you said like again, like you mentioned like your district eliminated the Media Center library information programming. Yes. Um, in departments. Yes. So what new innovations have librarians adopted during this time of
0: remote learning? So actually I can speak to this because March 13th last year. So what is that exactly a year ago? Um yeah, like almost like literally 360 three days or four days? That was my last day in a school library. Mm. So that was the day that that COVID shut down our district. Um, And we went into emergency mode. We all, you know, were sent home, the kids were sent home. Um, I had actually been on a field trip that day with the gifted group. And we immediately flipped from being in person to being nothing for about two weeks, but our role at that time as librarians, we were immediately developing professional development for accessing databases and, you know, getting online information to kids and, you know, how do you still teach your technology pieces? And so, I mean, huge, just mind shift that had to happen in two weeks. Mm -hmm. And then two weeks later, we started full remote online learning. So at that point, you know, as librarians, we were supporting teachers. We were in their online classrooms in Schoology. Um, We were helping them develop, uh, like, you know, the Bitmoji classrooms, and we were doing all kinds of the technology in the background. But as we're moving kind of forward into year two or one and a half of this, uh, it's so much bigger than that now. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I'm seeing, and I, I, I just love my heart hurts that I'm not able to be on the forefront of this now is lending libraries for technology. Mm. So, you know, sending home um, spheros with, with activities or, you know, sending little bits home um, and letting the students have the access to the technology, even if they're not in school. Um, And there are a lot of online versions of those things as well, like Microbit. you know, it has as an online website and that in the librarians, that's what we do now. Like it's not just books like makerspace was a huge part of my job. So it's moving makerspace from being a physical space to being a virtual space. So yeah, definitely lots and lots of opportunities for for technology integration, even in a virtual space.
1: Um, I just want to ask a follow up of like, what do you keep in mind, you know, because obviously in homes, everyone's situation is very different. Yes, absolutely. There's a range of um, need. And then there's a range of like, have, right. And so like, how, what do you think about when you or what should librarians think about or have they thought about
0: when they're presenting these opportunities for yeah. families so definitely we're thinking about that and when we were shut down last year you know in march the immediate thought and what we had to do was does every student have access to the internet that was the first thing we did so we are what we were a 1 to 1 district so the kids already had the technology every child had a laptop so that wasn't an issue um, but they didn't have internet access. So we immediately purchased um, hotspots and then we checked them out to kids and families, just like we do books. And, and then if we had kids, we have we had many families who were living in homeless situations. Mm-hmm. They were indefinitely checked out to those, to those families. And then we also connected with the community library to make sure that their Wi-Fi was stayed on mm-hmm. so that students, even if they were closed, students could still be outside of the library and access the internet. So we were definitely in like fast forward, trying to make sure that every student had access to what they needed. Um, in terms of like remediation and enrichment, I mean, it was all kinds of like we're going to get you know the the, the widest variety of. Books available. I mean, you know, even sending them home, and, and I can't remember the last day we just let kids come in and take as many books as they wanted, and mm-hmm. we didn't even we didn't even count or care. We just were like, take the books, take the books, um, and that's really what we did. Like we just wanted to make sure. And then one more day, we brought them in after we were sent home and did the exact same thing: dump all the books here, we'll take care of it later. Grab ten more books, you know. That's because the public libraries were closed at that yeah. time. So yeah, so that's kind of how we at- you know, attacked the whole idea of equity and-, and making sure that all of our kids were accounted for and no one fell through the cracks. That's, that's what we were doing. So again, I'm going to go back to my honeybee analogy. <laughs> I love it. I'm going to have like, to make that my spirit animal. Listen, I love it. <laughs>
1: you we're a hive mind solving civic problems for real, you know, like this. I mean, I really think that um, especially at the beginning of this pandemic, a lot of people didn't even know like, okay, are we even going to come back in mm-hmm. face-to-face and see absolutely. each other again, right? Um, so I just find it really, really awesome that you guys, you know, librarians have figured out a way to continue making sure that learning and resources and epiphany are available um, to our students even during these times. So, absolutely, absolutely. Yes, so speaking of that, mm-hmm. um, we've talked about so many things, but let's talk about um, the fact that you published uh, the AASL, uh, Developing Inclusive Learners and Citizens Activity Guide, mm-hmm. um, with other emerging ALL leaders, yes. right? Yes. Um, and you guys also have a framework that accompanies that. So first of all, can you tell people like how cool <laughs> you know, being an ALA emerging leader is before we get into the guide and the framework? Like, what is
0: that? Okay, so I have to tell you, it was one of the biggest, like, excitement things that have probably ever happened to me. Um, Emerging leaders, they pick basically one from every state every year. Who is they? they? Oh, I'm sorry, AASL, which is the American Association of School Librarians. I may have flipped two yes. of those, but yeah. So um, it's the Nationwide School Librarian Association. It falls under ALA, which is the American Library Association. So AASL has basically a, an award program, and every year they pick one librarian from each state. So I was the Pennsylvania representative, um, and then we met twice in person, and then we were assigned groups, and we were given topics that we were then told, you know, we need to create a project. And our project was diversity. That was essentially what we were given. And we were told that we needed to use the AASL standards Mm -hmm. as our framework. So then our entire goal was to create a handbook for teachers and librarians that would help them meet the needs of as many students as possible. So we were, we were looking at diversity and inclusiveness in every way that we could um, think of and providing activities. And it was just, it was an awesome time. My team was amazing. We were as diverse as they come. I wish I could tell you the awesomeness of my team. It was like, you know, me, middle-aged white lady, and then we had... Um, like a 26 year old African-American brand new librarian. We had a 55 year old gay man. Like it was like the coolest. We had a, a, a woman who was like, you know, fervently Jewish and, and like sharing about her culture. And it was like the coolest rainbow of people that I don't know how we wound up together and became such close friends. Like It was just an amazing experience. And we all brought our own, Mm -hmm. experiences into it it was it was just fabulous it was just fabulous so
1: first of all you're talking about um experiences that like a lot of people it what i find these days unfortunately do not get Mm -hmm. right so like not to just go off topic but we're gonna go off topic let's go off topic (laughs) let's go for it so like you have been immersed in an experience that a lot of people professionally um either don't get or don't take right where you get to work across um differences and ideological differences and cultural differences
0: um why was that valuable for you oh oh my gosh i cannot even tell you because i definitely came into the experience with my lens now my lens is a little bit different because i came from an adoptive family of six and we're all different colors and um, different orientations and we have all kinds of things in my family but even so i have my lens that i know Mm -hmm. I was challenged in so many ways. And I remember going out to dinner with my team and just, we were so respectful of each other, but we challenged each other. Um, And there's one librarian in our group. uh, Her name is Bianca, one of the smartest women I will, I have ever encountered. And her life experience as a single mom um, and as a person of color, she she just challenged me and she taught me so much and she was so open to just honest questions like okay bianca tell me just like why is this different for you than it is for me and it was just amazing you know and then having somebody who struggled as a teenager with lgbtq issues and then you know he grew into it and now he's the super successful top of the he's like at the top of the state library system now i mean It was, just amazing to have this group of people and we just really grew to love each other. And like I said, not one of us is the same. We all had different religious beliefs, like significantly different religious beliefs, like political beliefs. We were like this and we, we just loved, we just loved our team. We're still working together by the way. And this, we were 2019 emerging leaders and we're still working together. So it has been an amazing experience. That is so fantastic. Um, So then obviously
1: all of y'all are well-suited to put this um, developing inclusive learners and citizens activity guide it was so pretty let, great let's talk about this like what's in the guide and in the framework um you know what did you guys pour into that
0: um mm-hmm. any advice that you have uh for people using it too sure so it is a little bit probably overwhelming when you're first thinking of this whole you know equity diversity and inclus- inclusion inclusion um, Phrase. I mean it's everywhere right now and, and what does it mean what are you supposed to do with that and that's kind of what we were hoping to accomplish with this guide is breaking that down into bite-sized chunks that were digestible mm-hmm. so when we looked at our standards when we looked at um, what we were trying to accomplish and if, if you'll look at the the framework you know it goes through what are those the most important things what how do we reach different students in different ways um, it's just that idea of like trying to reach every student so the guide itself, goes through each of the, the framework, uh, frameworks, and then it gives you activities and lesson plans, books that relate to what we're talking about. Then we do scenarios based on, um, you know, what do you call that? Like an avatar, you know, like we kind of created an avatar of different people and, and put them in the situation and gave, gave you like examples of what they could do in that situation. So we had a lot of, it was a hard work. That was really hard work, but we are so proud of what we've come up with and they published it on the website and it's available freely to anybody who wants it. You know, I just we're just really, really proud of what we put together. Can you
1: share a bit about like with D and I work, right? Um, some of the challenges are like, Uh, Who all gets to be included? Do we leave anybody? Did we leave anyone out? What stories are more important than others or perceived as more important than others, right? So, can you talk about some
0: of the challenges in making like choices of what you guys put in? Yes, that is a, a great question. I don't know that we did do a perfect job. I don't know that you can do a perfect job. I think that we did the very best we could thinking about our own student bodies and did we represent everybody that, that we teach. We had a lot of like hashing that out and, and talking at, we also had the opportunity to work with author Ellen O um, mm-hmm. and she writes middle grades books and also works a lot with EDI. And she did a panel discussion with us at the AASL conference. And that was one of the things we hashed out as well. Like how, how is it, you know, we talked about the idea of, you know, can a white author write about issues uh, facing Native American mm-hmm. people, all right, just all of that. And, and and I don't know that there is an answer. I don't think we have an answer yet. Um, but the fact is we're, we're talking about it. So I, I don't know I can if I can give you a, a, a solid answer on that. I just think that we need to be open to the conversation and also to do it with kindness and knowing that we're all coming, hopefully coming at it from the, mo- the motivation of we want everyone included we want every perspective included and we're not there but we're but we're working
1: yeah i'm trying i love that i love the fact that it's all about making sure that we have the conversation Mm -hmm. um i think that you know humanity we'd love to have everything tied up in a bow perfectly it's done i'm finished on to the next thing um but a lot of this work especially with diversity inclusion requires a long road and lots of conversations, pain,
0: right? Pulling up pain. (laughs) Yes, and it is. I'm telling you some of the conversations I have with my team, I I will never um, be able to express that, the gratitude, just being able to sit down with a group of people talking about hard things, but to do it with kindness and to have my assumptions and my biases challenged, which is really difficult. Mm -hmm. Like that's thrown out there all the time right now and it, it, it's thrown out there all the time. It is hard to be faced with your own but your own biases that you didn't even know were there. Mm-hmm. So being able to do that to have, you know, to have a colleague look you in the eye and say, "Can I can I push back on that?" can and to be open to that. It was that's what I just wish we could do that in in world, but, (laughs) you know, in the field right now, especially, you know, can we have those hard conversations without attacking each other, without immediately ripping a book off the shelf? Like, let's have the conversation together. Yeah. You know, okay.
1: So I'm going to ask you a hard question then. Go for it. Um, Let's talk about just real quick about Dr. Seuss. Oh, right?
0: I knew you were going to ask me yeah, that. I, was gonna, I knew it. I knew it. It was, it was my bonus question. <laughs> I was like, dun, da, dun, dun, surprise. I knew that was coming. No, it wasn't a surprise. I had a feeling. <laughs> so I'm just going to give you my exactly how I feel. about And it's this. not everyone's answer in the whole world. No. I want to preface no. that. Right. No. Like, this is Corey's answer, which right. doesn't mean much in the world, but it means something to me since you you're on my you. show. <laughs> so here's, here's how I feel about that. I am a very big anti-censor person. Mm-hmm. And here's why, because books of any kind, whether it be Dr. Seuss, whether it be Little House on the Prairie, whether it be, you know, there's so many books that have been um, brought up right now for, for challenges, they bring up conversations. So to me, why would we take a book off the shelf that would open up an amazing conversation? Now, I probably would be more cautious as I'm checking it out to have the conversation, mm-hmm. but but it's such a rich opportunity for us to say, okay, this is in this book, what what do you think about that today? What what has changed? You know, How can we look at this perspective differently? So I, I'm not a fan of just whipping things off the shelf and just being like, oh, can't expose our kids to that. Let them think, let them learn. Let's have those conversations. If we want the adults to have the conversations, then we better let the kids have the conversations before they become adults. So that's... I don't know. I don't know if that's the answer you wanted, but that's how I feel. Okay, so
1: Corey, can I just say (laughs) that I totally agree and that actually my kids and I talked about this, um, I would say in two episodes ago, we talked about blackface in Mm -hmm. media. And so we talked about how people just immediately, as you're saying, like rip it off the shelf Mm -hmm. or put that episode away and like shelter it, you know, without having that historical conversation. Yes. Why are these images being used this way? What purpose did they serve within the context of that time period? Yes. How have we evolved since then? How have we not evolved since then,
0: right? Like, Absolutely. what is you know, so
1: like thank you so much
0: for that. Oh, and I'll throw in another one real quick that I was just reading about. Eric Carl, he did The Hungry Little Caterpillar. Mm-hmm. He has another book and it shows the human body without clothes on. Now, I am talking about the most cartoony bodies mm-hmm. you'll ever see. There was this huge conversation in library circles about pulling it off the shelf. And or or librarians would be or whoever was it would be coloring them out with black marker or you know putting Paper
1: some kind of right yeah. exactly
0: and my thought on that again is why let's have the conversation why are we teaching kids to be embarrassed about their body parts we're not ta- like there was nothing inappropriate going on so yeah it just it frustrates me so greatly and the worst ones are when we pull LGBTQ books off the shelf. And I cannot, I can't even go there without getting extremely emotional because you, you just don't know how many kids are, are struggling and searching and they, they connect with, with these authors who have lived these experiences and they see themselves in these books. And to just walk in and be like, I don't agree with that lifestyle. I want that book off the shelf doesn't allow for kids who need those books to get those books. So I could go off on that for another hour. But So it sounds
1: like we need to have a larger conversation (laughs) uh, as a global or national or even local communities about, you know, when we believe that images, whether if it's uh, racial images, whether it's um, sex, whether it's um, sexual orientation and gender identity, right? Like, how do we have important conversations as adults about imagery um, and how they impact our kids. And then also how do we have conversations or facilitate conversations amongst our students Mm -hmm. about this um, and what they think and providing them the space to come to their own conclusions, obviously in safe and meaningful ways. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Thank you. Thank you for taking my bonus question, Corey. (laughs) (laughs) I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. (laughs) So I have um, just one more question about um, increasing accessibility to STEM, right? Um, You know, so what are some tips that you have to ensure that we incorporate STEM um, at home and at school, right? And how do we, again, increase accessibility to, to
0: such an important um subject area. So this is really where I am right. Like this is my corner right now is working in STEM and getting it out to kids um, and to families. So one of the the things that I would say to teachers and librarians is to make sure you are making that a focus. You know, like I said, lending kits are a great way to do it, making sure that you're directing families and students to resources like Fuse, which is little bits online, or you know, microbit.org and make code and that sort of thing. I also would say, making sure that you're choosing curriculum that is um, diverse. One of the things that I've been working really hard on is curriculum that shows women in underrepresented, where they're underrepresented. So especially Mm -hmm. in the trades and manufacturing, um, I would say that has got to happen and, and parents need to be really careful not to assume that their children are going to a four-year college and that's the way it's going to be. My child is not going to, you know, Mm -hmm. my child's going to be going to trade school. Like that's something that I think is really important as well. STEM is not just college bound kids. STEM is technology and engineering and manufacturing, not just math. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, M is (laughs) M squared. And so, yeah, just the idea of just expanding that first of all, that it's not this one route. Um, there are so many resources out there if you are a parent and you want to do STEM, National Geographic, every, national aquari- or every state aquarium or nation- the national aquariums, um, virtual reality, I can't even tell you, Google Expeditions, which is going away soon, but until they go away, you will, ex- you will s- expose your students or your children to so many different things. Um, Nearpod has so many virtual uh, experiences, and most of these are, are free for families to, to use, um, please get involved with your public library. They are pushing STEM right now so hard, and they want you. They want to serve their communities. If you check out your your local library's um, website and their youth services programs, I mean, that's one of the things my company is working with is is working with public libraries to put their STEM programs in place. So, I mean, it's free. So yeah. go go to the library. <laughs> yes, that is a civic duty, everyone. I want to say that. Go to the library. <laughs> you know, like... so. I mean, seriously, if you knew how hard like school librarians we work hard, public librarians have a whole nother They're doing mission. the Lord's work. <laughs> Holy smokes. They are like they they're addressing homelessness. They're addressing mm-hmm. drug use. I mean, these are these are just amazing people who are just they their entire thing is serving their communities. Yep. Yep. So yeah, that's that's probably my number one. Go to the Dagon library. Yes. I want to just, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Exclamation <laughs>
1: points behind that. Or a library is a civic institution that needs to be supported, attended, participated in. So yes, all of that. Thank you, Corey, <laughs> for saying that and for highlighting that. Oh my God. So we've had so much fun. This has been like just a breeze and amazing (laughs) and awesome. I don't think I have to do any edits to this episode. You just killed it. Um, But I do want to ask if there's anything that you'd like to promote or if there's anything
0: you want our listeners to check out. Sure. So I work for uh, a STEM company now called STEM Education Works throughout Lafayette, Indiana. I would love for you to check us out on social media or our website. And our entire purpose is to connect uh, educational technologies with K-12 STEM curriculum and then get them into the hands of kids. So uh, we are working really hard on um, really hard on workforce development. We have uh, connections with our communities, we're working with uh, 4-H and Coder Dojos, and um, we're working with Boys and Girls Clubs, and so this is just really, really important to us. So please check us out, STEM Education Works. We have resources on the website, free ones. We also have all kinds of uh, materials and products for you to look at, and then Curriculum is My Baby, so please, you know, feel free to check out what we have for Curriculum
1: yes okay this was super super awesome Corey. I just really want to thank you for just highlighting how I see it librarians and just reaffirming that again you guys are the honeybees of education (laughs) just pollinating and connecting and getting people together
0: so thank you I love it I'm gonna have to add that as a tattoo for my you know I have many but I'll have to add that one as my spirit animal
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited
0: Dr. Corey Hall
1: illuminates for all of us the lengths to which librarians go to ensure that all learners get the information they need. We've included links to follow Dr. Hall on social media, as well as links to her book and other resources in the show notes. We've also linked the 2020 State of America's Libraries Report in the show notes as well. We challenge families and educators to think more about the benefits of their school library, How has your school library evolved as a result of the pandemic? What ways can you best support the programs and initiatives coming out of your school library or media center? What's missing from the curriculum and how can the school library and media center best support that? Does your public library work with your school? And if not, how might you work to bridge that gap? If you have any cool epiphanies you'd like to share Please leave them in the comments or share them with us on social media. Each
2: episode, we will share quotes that we find inspirational. Shirley Chisholm was an American politician, educator, and author. Her quote is You don't make progress by standing on the sidelines, whimpering, and complaining. You make progress. By implementing ideas. Shonda Rhimes is an American television producer, screenwriter, and author. Her quote. Happiness comes from living as you need to, not as you want to. As your inner voice tells you to. Happiness comes from being who you actually are instead of being who you think you're supposed to be. Alice Walker is an American novelist, short story writer, poet, and social activist. Her quote. In nature, nothing is perfect, and everything is perfect. Trees can be contorted, bent in weird ways, and they're still beautiful.
1: Octavia Butler was an award-winning and renowned science fiction writer. She was the first science fiction writer to be awarded the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation Fellowship. Her quote, Intelligence does enable you to deny facts you dislike. But your denial doesn't matter. A cancer growing in someone's body will go on growing in spite of denial. And a complex combination of genes that work together to make you intelligent, as well as hierarchical will, still handicap you whether you acknowledge it or not.
2: Thank you for listening to the Less K-12 Better podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe.
1: We want to hear from you. Connect with us on social media at Let's K12 Better on all social media platforms, or connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at Mom of all Capes. The Let's K-12 Better podcast is available on every podcasting platform. So if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to rate and review our podcast. Your feedback helps us grow. Thank you so much for listening.
2: See you next time.
0: At T-Mobile, we believe in putting people first by treating them right. So we've upped the benefits without upping the price.
1: With Magenta Max, you get our best plan for 5G with unlimited premium data that can't slow down based on how much smartphone data you use. Plus, you'll pay zero cost to switch. And bring your phone. We'll
0: pay it off up to 800 bucks. Only at T-Mobile. Capable device required for 5G. Activate up to 4K or video streams at 480p. 40 gigs high-speed tethering. Up to $800 via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Support charges waived. See details at t
2: Life gets a lot more magical when you dream. So let's dream of a vacation unlike any other. A magical Disney cruise. <laughs> Hiya, pal. Where new stories make tales as old as time.
0: Enchanté, mon ami.
2: And your family will be cared for the moment you step aboard. Sail from Florida to Disney's
0: private island paradise and get ready for a dream come true with Disney Cruise Line.